Absolutely. We have customers tell us that we've helped them become better chefs, better cooks in the kitchen. Um, and it's simply because they're using a product that is fresh and tastes good. And um, it, you can tell. Absolutely. As we grew from one shop to the franchise company that provides spices, all kinds of new opportunities came in. Our scrappiness was still going to be the core mentality for how we grew. He's usually the bad company. And there's a lot of, like, dad said no, so let's go ask mom. Here we go. This is the ProCo 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting ProCo 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs. Today's episode is with Janet and Mike Johnston, founders of the Savory Spice Company. And I love this kind of story because in 2004, this husband and wife team decided to open a store based on one's marketing skills, the other's knowledge of the retail spice business. And look, let's realize most of these passion projects don't go well. They almost always start with friends who see someone's passion for a product and tell them, you should start a business. You should open a store. It's all exciting and expensive. And the owner ends up working 80 hours a week for what amounts to be less than minimum wage until they survive long enough to exit with some pride. So that's not this story. Mike and Janet have grown 30 locations across the U.S. and have a successful online presence. So that's what makes this story intriguing to me. My wife and I have been customers of their second store for a long time, and I'm happy to have this conversation. So Janet and Mike, with that way too long intro, glad you're on Proco 360. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. So are we. We're glad we're still in business, too. I know. <laughs> I, you know, with something like this, I kind of like to editorialize a little bit. Yeah. So business. forgive me. We're still, we're still married. That's, yes. what, that's <laughs> what I'm Yes, about. yes. And that's I was kind told, of a miracle. <laughs> uh, I was told ahead of time to be careful because Janet's the daughter of a truck driver and her mouth may get away from her. Is that right? Okay. So I gave a quick overview. Well, I didn't even give an overview of your business. It's a spice business. But you can tell us much more. Well, I mean, you know, we sell spices. I mean, yeah. <laughs> retail spices, we have everything from cinnamon to cumin to taco seasoning, you name it. We have a lot of product. Yeah. And we try to um, make it, uh, you know, make it available for the everyday home cook. Now, we do sell to restaurants, so we'll sell to some, some of the really? chefs in town. Um, and, uh, you know, it's pretty simple. We really try not to overcomplicate it because it's just spices, as we say. It's just spices. Yeah, but, you know, the thing that's interesting to me, I, I always talk about niche. I always like to explore niche. And Do you because... say niche or niche? I say niche, but maybe in the spice world it's niche. I've, so, ne I've never known, yeah. so good to know now. I don't know the answer. And so here's the thing. But, you know, differentiating to me is very interesting. Figuring out what niche you're in, niche you're in is interesting to me. So how, when you think about savory spice, how are you differentiating from grocery stores, specialty stores, high-end grocery stores? You know, all the, how do you think about your place? Yeah. I mean, freshly ground, um, quality seasonings, you know, inspired seasonings. Mike and our test kitchen do um, have done all the development of our blends and they're they're just good. Yeah. But I mean like how's your customer different from the one who goes into a high end specialty grocery store or goes into the regular grocery they store? They definitely or... have to be different. They have to under they have to want to make that extra stop exactly to get their spices yeah. because anyone can walk down an aisle in the grocery store right. and pick something up. Matter of fact I see people in the grocery aisle and I just want to say ah! 
<laughs> you know, we also make it easier to buy because we make sizes that aren't just a jar. So, you know, if you're going to buy cardamom, which you may use in two recipes next year and that's it. Yeah. Buying a full jar of that is, is A, expensive. B, um, freshness actually matters in spices because the essential oils are inside of the spice and they start to evaporate once you ground, gr- grind the spice. Huh. Um, so having a jar, you know, as we did when we were, you and I look like we're probably around the same age. We, you know, spices moved oh, they last with years. the family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they moved for 10 years with the family and that's really not going to give you some premium flavor. So we really are about giving the customer what they want in the quantity they want, within reason. Mm-hmm. We're not going to yeah, do a yeah. quarter teaspoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't come in with my measuring spoon. <laughs> there is a little bit there. But I think it's just about people in this day and age, They, a large portion of them care about the um, where the spices are coming from. They want something that's a little better. Um, and they definitely want to support small business. And that yeah, is what yeah, we, yeah. even with 30 stores, we are a very small business yeah. in the scheme of things. And so I think we get a lot of support. Okay. I'm going to ask you a softball question, but it really is curious to me. And that is, if I buy a spice in the grocery store and I buy a spice at Savory Spice and I cook with it, if it's a substantial component of my recipe, am I going to taste the difference? Absolutely. We have customers tell us that we've helped them become better chefs, better cooks in the kitchen. Um, and it's simply because they're using product that is fresh and tastes good, and um, it, you can tell. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, a great example would be cinnamon. You know, cinnamon is just the bark of the tree. So think of it as sawdust, huh. right? And so the essential oils range between 1% and 6%. And so those are going to evaporate really quick, quickly. So when you're buying that giant container <laughs> of it... Um, and then you buy something from us that's been ground in the past week, there is going to be a major difference in the flavor of cinnamon. Now, I can tell you, we have been to a cinnamon forest in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. and it does not smell like cinnamon (laughs) until you grind it. Until you grind it, until those essential oils like start to release. Ah. We've had people even have to pare back on like long-loved recipes because of the intensity of the cinnamon. That's cool. All yeah. right. I got ahead of myself a little bit with the product, digging into the product, because sure. I really wanted to back up and, and talk about the, the story of how you got started. <laughs> one of you had skills in marketing, one from the spice industry. Which is which? Spice industry, marketing. Marketing. It's not really marketing, though. I was, what was I? I was, I was like a project manager between the um, executives and the IT department that built parts of the website. So... Um, that actually project management helped me moving into owning my own business more than yeah. anything else would have. More than marketing. Just juggling and having to do a million things and having to huh. wear a thousand hats. Yeah. Well, um, did you have to market much when you started? Because it was a storefront, correct. right? So did people just see you and walk in or was this something you really had to get out there and push? We took a big chance with our first location on Platt Street. <laughs> There was pretty much nobody else down there. Um, mm. It was. It felt like we're from Chicago. And so when we moved out here, it felt like a, a potential kind of little neighborhood that might be up and coming in Chicago. Yeah. And as it is with small business, there is a fair amount of luck, mm-hmm. especially when you're choosing the location. And I think for us, um, we just ended up 
getting a little lucky there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the first day we did $96 in business. Oh, yeah. We still, <laughs> have, we still have the written journal of it. You know. And I remember there was a guy that um, had like an office somewhere around there. And he said, well, good luck. The only people I know who live around here is the guy that's living on my doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So there was a – but but the cool thing was the Platt Street store actually had a shower and bath bathroom and shower in it. So we so figured – you could stay there. We'd stay there if things went awry. Yeah. Yeah, we Thankfully. would just like live in the basement. Thankfully, we never had. To it was take an a old shower. kayak shop, Confluence Kayak. Confluence oh yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But what was cool about that is they had because they did their kayak um, refinishes in the basement, and so they needed to exhaust it. And what we did is ground our cinnamon in the basement, and we would exhaust it, and oh, it would blow neighbors, for two, yeah. three blocks away, mm -hmm. and that was the initial draw. Yeah. Because we didn't have a lot of money to to budget. I think when we opened. I think we had eight thousand bucks left in our bank account. Yeah, all between told. between the two of us. Right, and, and uh, we have someone to thank for that. Um, that she was writing for the Denver Post food food writer at the time, Ellen Sweets. Hmm. She came in. Great food writer name. Yeah, and hmm. isn't it? And we uh, we didn't know her because we were new to Denver. And she was very kind and asked us some questions and asked if she could come back and just do a little interview and take some photos. We said, sure, sure. I think it was the next week front full cover of the Denver Post food section was about us. Wow. And we had she to must have liked the, you. We had to change the layout of the store in order to accommodate how many people were coming through at that point. Yeah. And then it was the water cooler conversations. We started doing events and having great dinner parties at the store, and those things propelled us more than any ad we might have purchased, and the we didn't dinner purchase parties? a lot. Yeah. Well, when I call it dinner parties, it's more like a buffet of cool Mar Moroccan food tonight. Sure, yeah. things yeah. that you made with your, you could feature your spices yeah. in ways that brought people in. And exactly. Yeah. That's cool. And your background was in the spice business. Yes. I worked for another company in Chicago. Um, my real background's in fine art, so I was try attempting to be a fine art painter. I still try to dabble in it, but um, yeah, I told him he was. We were living together. He was living at my place, and I said at one point, "You need to either get a job, or you need to go away." <laughs> <laughs> which which did it turn out? <laughs> he got the job yeah. at and a spice store yeah. for eight bucks an hour, and I was. What was cool is it was a lot like mixing paint. You would take spices and you would mix them together to come up with a new flavor and a new color and. So I was, you know, enamored with it and ended up working for that company for a few years, then realized, you know, we could do this. And we did that 80% planning, 20% execution. We worked on it for a couple of years um, before mm -hmm. we moved here. Yeah. Really? Um, I built a website just like with HTML, you yeah. know, like I've learned how to <laughs> Yeah, our first See, website. See, you really were teeing it up before you got it started. Oh, yeah. Because, you know... That I, I gave that long-winded intro about, you know, how so many passion projects, you know, you should open a store, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. You know, and and I, I think for most people, it starts as sort of a romantic notion of, mm -hmm. you know, owning your own business, owning a store. I think even some of it's like being loved by your customers. You yeah. come in and, and, you know, just say how great you are and all that stuff. So, so was when it doesn't sound like it was a hopeful whim. For you, it sounds like it was a really planned out, deliberate, absolutely store opening. And and we had a we had a, a what's it called a security blanket of sorts because I was able to keep my job, and work um, mo mobily even back in two thousand four. Mm. Um, so I worked uh, during the day, 
at home out of a home office. Yeah. And then nights and weekends, I was at the shop. And so I was able to do that for about two years just to kind of keep us in Yeah, but Mike, business. you were working in the store all day. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. working and hoping. Yeah. Because, you know, it still takes a lot of, uh, it, take, it takes a fair amount of uh, hard work for sure. 80 hours, minimum wage, yeah. whatever and that is. And just attention. I mean, you have yeah. to be there, right? And, yes. Um, but being uh, practical and prudent with your money. We have more people who opened a business around us, and they had the most beautiful card, uh -huh. giveaway cards, and, and uh, glossy brochures, glossy brochures <laughs> along with business cards that they, we printed our own. Mm -hmm. And we were yeah. really, I mean, and cut them <laughs> and cut them. Yeah. And we made that work because we just were scrappy. Uh, part of that is your upbringing. Yeah. And I learned a lot about being scrappy. Yeah. Um, from you. And uh, we were able to uh, be thoughtful on that so we could get through the yeah. lean times. Yeah. You know, I think I think when people do the things you just described, the expensive cards and mm -hmm. all this, you know, it always seems sort of self-indulgent. Like it's a I, I think that demonstrates sort of the the fantasy notion of mm -hmm. what this business is well, going to be. There's something to be said about faking it till you make it, right? I'm a yeah, big fake it till you make yeah, it. So yeah. sometimes I think maybe it it makes them feel as though this is... That could be. Or just maybe the cart before the horse. Um, I think I, it goes back to what you said. I mean, they, they want to have... They have this image of what a business owner should be. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. they start to spend money on things that probably aren't the smartest thing when you're going to have lean times from the get at the you know at, yeah, as a start yeah. startup my premise is start a business by making sales you yeah. know yeah. and and that's you know that, mm -hmm. that that was my experience and you know when i started my company years and years ago and it's like you know i was in business as soon as i made a sale right. and you know you make promises you might not be able to keep but yeah. you 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 got to get out there yeah, yeah. so and, i mean i don't want to downplay anyone out there who's starting their own business working or have have tried and have have failed um it, it takes a lot of work, but it, like Mike said before, it takes a lot of luck. It takes the right things happening at the right time, yeah. you know, and making the right decisions at the right time, which isn't always easy to do. No, and sometimes the world is bigger than our own decision making, you yeah. know, right. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it can shape our outcomes as well. Hey, you're listening to Proco 360, named best Colorado business podcast in 2021 and 2022. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guests today are Janet and Mike Johnston of the Savory Spice Company. Thanks to our sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Uh, they're our longest running sponsor of Proco 360. Really appreciate them. Via Technologies takes care of all my web stuff, all my web marketing, all my web everything, hosting all the data that goes through that. So thanks to Via Technologies and uh, Colorado Biz Magazine. Our partnership is one of building our audiences together. So please go to Proco360.com. Check out the sponsors. All right. Um, so this wasn't a whim. You, you really went into it. But did you ever think it was going to be 30 stores? Did you have this notion of grand scheme of scaling and all that kind of thing? No. <laughs> Did you think you could even make money on one store? Because you, you... I, oh, I knew we could make money. I knew the math behind the, the because spice of your industry. background. Yeah. yeah. So the money issue was going to be more about customers, but the idea of having the amount of stores and the concept of franchising, those things were not even in the vision. The no. vision was hopefully one store, and that was successful. And if because we were going to have to work with each other every day, we might mm -hmm. be able to get a second store. 
That was the hope. So you and wouldn't have to be together all day, every day. You got it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because uh, it's challenging. Yeah. That part of it is is very challenging. Is it because... tough to work together every day, all day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, because it, it never stops, much. right? I know it, there's probably maybe just a little bit of sarcasm in there because it's true. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, then you go home and you're still working. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. You, you, We don't work 80 hours a week. You work more than that because it never shuts off. It's on the weekend. And when you're starting it. Yeah. You're working every yeah. single day. Yeah. Not only physically you're there, but then mentally you're always there. Yeah. Always there. And yeah. so we so. would, as a couple, go down to the basement, have a fight, <laughs> come back upstairs, and act on the retail floor like you act on the retail floor, which is I'm going to be your friend because I value you mm-hmm. and I can and I would separate that emotion. Yeah. And compartmentalize it and then go on with the day. Now, that might get readdressed at home, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's the reality of yeah. trying to open a business together that requires both of your attention. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, your products must have evolved a lot. Like, I've been in your store recently, and it's everything covered with a wide variety, different sizes, different kinds, different mix, all kinds. Was your first store, it must have had a much smaller selection. Believe it or not, I think it was more really? in terms of just spices and blends. Um, you know, we had a lot of a lot to we, offer. We also offered a lot of very um, not rare but hard to find things. Hmm. We wanted to be the spice shop that had it all. And yeah, you came in and you wanted licorice root. We had it in the. Was corner. that a mistake, or was that the right thing to do? As you started, you reflect back. It was not a mistake, but we evolved over time, and I think it would have been a mistake to keep on that particular platform long term. As we were trying to, where we are now, right now we have some franchisees. You've got to start justifying retail uh, square footage mm-hmm. uh, on the sales floor, and so you evolve. And there has been a fair amount of evolution, but I think Janet's right. I think we're pretty close to, we have, I'm guilty of over-innovating because I'm a creative person. Mm-hmm. And, and so what drives me is is creating something interesting. And so, you know, we probably had a much smaller line of curries when we started than we do now. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's been an evolution. So... Yeah. Do your franchisees get to help decide what they could put in their store, or do you lay it out the way McDonald's does? They have a basic of what they have to carry, which is like our main line. Mm-hmm. Um, what Mike actually came up with years ago was the ability for them to work with Mike and the test kitchen to create two of their own blends. So they're very regional. They're very traditional for their area. They are. They make them in the store. So you know they really kind of have that spice merchant feel and and some real ownership. They they mostly develop them. Do and, they tend to sell more of that particular oh, product yeah. because they made it? They create. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they promote it a little bit more. And I would think so. Yeah. So right. you know you mentioned blends a lot, and to me it seems like there's almost like a continuum of sophistication. I don't know because like. Yeah, they're spice users, they're blends. Now you've got kits and you've got prepared meals in other places. You don't do prepared meals, but you've got kits now. So how does that change the way you approach customer acquisition, the way you approach customer satisfaction and all that kind of thing? I I don't know if I bought any of your your blends, but I bought a lot of your spices. But I could see like how that works. But 
I think it expands like the usership. So Spice and Easy is, you know, one of our lines that we love that, oh gosh, it's been quite a while now. That, 2017. Yeah, 2017. And these are, you know, packages of a mix or a blend of spices that come along with a recipe. Mm. There's usually maybe four things max, like base base things that they need for it. Um, it's it's measured out perfectly. They're, they're beautiful. There's a picture mm. of the dish in the front. That's a different customer than the per, the customer or the chef who wants to come in and buy maybe some separate spices so that they can create their own blend. Yeah, you know, you've got that end, and then you've got you know either busy moms or younger kids, and the, the kids these I call them kids because, <laughs> but they love food, and the young you know the twenties and thirty year olds they're doing dinner parties now. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like old school. It's awesome. But they also like those kind of pour and mix. Yeah, I think you're meal always solutions. We call them. I think you're always trying to target the you know right down the middle. Who's who's your customer? Mom, mother of two, forty years old. You know that's what you're looking at. But everybody eats, and so as Janet was saying, that's still stuff we're trying to unlock, right? Mm -hmm. On who we're marketing to and how we get those folks to become long term customers. The spice and easies. It's a, a quantity that you use the entire package. Mm -hmm. Everything else we sell, you put on the shelf right. and you have it for three months, six months, a year yeah. or longer. Um, so visit creation is, is, is what was behind that line. Yeah. But it's also about making mom's life easier at night because sure. she can make that in 20, 30 minutes. But it sounds like, you know, that's sort of what's been evolving in our society mm -hmm. anyway. People have less time. Um, I tried to subscribe one of those things where they deliver all this stuff. I'm like, what a pain in the ass. I paid them to shop for me, basically. But then mm -hmm. I got to do all the work. I might as well just go to the store. But, you know, this this line that you've described sounds like a really interesting yeah. uh, niche. And it started, um, you know, pretty straightforward with like dips and sauces that, you know, you would, you know, mix this in a tub of sour cream and you're done, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then um, we started creating Spice and Easy's that were kind of full meal solutions mm -hmm. um, in terms of here's a sauce to make this chicken dish. And then we started adding like rices and uh, lentils mm. and, you know, product like that, that really was a full, full meal solution. And, and from a branding standpoint, as a spice store, do you care? Like, do you, do you want people who are like, you know, really coming in for very specific licorice root or whatever, or, or, or just anybody that cares about a quality product and do you, like, does it matter? Does your brand associate one way or another? I don't know. I think a sale's a sale in some sense, right? You want to make sure that well, you're making it, a... It is until until you become watered down as a brand, and then it's not a sale is a sale, right? So that's... I, Janet, you're nodding. I, I, uh, well, I mean, that's true. I mean, you a sale is a sale. And we have a responsibility, I think, to our franchise owners, because our franchises are all owner-operated. These aren't people who just buy them up and like, oh, we'll just get someone. These are passionate people. We've had sisters be franchises. We've had, mm. you know, many other couples, friends. Um, and so we have to continue to innovate. We have to continue to think outside the box of product that would be, you know, used by many. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but what I mean with the sales is sales consistently taco seasoning is our top three really? product that we sell every year all day long mm -hmm. huh and and so what i mean is if that's what the customer 
is seeking to be able to have an enjoyable me- meal, mm-hmm. then I want to be able to provide the best version of that. Yeah. Now, unlocking how to get them to visit us more often, that is a whole different question, and that yeah. becomes something. Well, that's like- the solution with our Spice and Easy, which is called our taco soup, Spice and Easy. So we know taco seasoning sells a lot. We know people love it. So we created a Spice and Easy with the taco seasoning, with dehydrated corn that we've sold for years now, dehydrated beans, easy peasy. And now we've just expanded our line with a product that we know that, well, we know now, but we assumed people would like. That's kind of brilliant because to your point, Mike, sometimes people don't buy spices as frequently, probably as they should to have the freshness. But if you create a product line that says, I'm cooking tonight, I want X, Mm -hmm. uh, boom, they come in and... And now you've created frequency. Yeah. That's going, I'm sure your franchisees appreciate it. Yeah. It's what we're all working toward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere in Choose Colorado. This episode is with Janet and Mike Johnston of the Savory Spice Company. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. So, um, I also noticed on your website you've sort of evolved into it's by the way, it's a beautiful website. You must you. get some interest you must have a great photographer and all that other stuff. Is it's that you? It's all in house. Oh. oh, it is good. Yeah, it's all in really? house. Really? Yeah. We have a ton of homegrown talent. We really do. And for a retail company which usually has high turnover, we have multiple people that have been with us since for 12, 14, 15 years mm-hmm. because of the culture we tried to to build but also to give them an opportunity to uh, advance. Um, but that's a tough thing because sometimes people who think they're good at something and want to advance, like, uh, not so much. There is some of that. And sometimes you move one person from here to mm-hmm. there, but loyalty is, is highly valued in, in, in a business. In my retail, yeah. I would think yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, as we grew from one shop to the franchise company that provides spices, all kinds of new opportunities came in. Our scrappiness was still going to be the core mentality mm-hmm. for how we grew. So we gave opportunities where we could, and many of many of our folks capitalized on those. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So your photography, that beautiful t- photography, that's all done in-house? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Now, um, recipes are everywhere, 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 and everybody who's selling any food product is showing it with recipes. And by the way, uh, I saw the brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Uh, I think those are easy enough for me. But, you know, I like when you're doing those things, how do you, you know, I, it looks beautiful on the website. It's just that everybody does that. So how do you think about presenting your product so that it's, it's special to you? Well, we like to use our seasonings, which are unique to us, as a way of kind of putting our own twist on it. We have a test kitchen inside our facility, and we love to have the marketing team or the people who are packaging spices in the back of the house or the people who are blending the spices come in, taste it, and give us their viewpoint on Mm -hmm. it. And so I think we can put a little bit of our own spin on it because we have proprietary seasonings. That makes sense. What were you going to say, Janet? Oh, I was just going to... <laughs> Say how brilliant that we are. How brilliant we're. No, I was just I was thinking about Michael Kimball, who is our test kitchen manager. Yeah, he's great. Uh, who worked with Mike for years and now is has taken it and run with it, and he just is amazing. Mm. And his his palate's amazing, and um, we he's just great. So, 
I'm sure he'll love to hear that on this episode. Now, Absolutely. question for you, though. You know, as you grow, you, you mentioned, both of you mentioned wanting to have a, a local feel. Um, you know, the franchisees, you know, create their own spices, their mm-hmm. own blends so they can. But I mean, as you get to be a certain size, how do you not be the chain that people want to avoid because they want to shop local? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. That is, that is always a concern in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the scheme of things, you know, we have 20 or 20 plus stores across the vast area of the United it's States. It's possible that somebody shopping in another city doesn't even know if some, there's another Absolutely. city. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. We are coast to coast, but a hell of a lot of holes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and are most franchisees or are most yours? We, oh, it's about one third we own the stores and then another two thirds that we yeah. franchise okay. out. Yeah. You know, there's a certain point where you just have to say what you are. You know what I mean? Where, where I guess you can call it, we are a franchise. We're a chain. You know, we used to think that was like a bad word. But when we started to expand, and the reason we really did start to expand is because we had so many people come into our store and say, I want to do this. Like, this is touching something inside of me, you know? I want to run a savory spice. I want yeah. to run a, I run, run a spice shop. Show me how, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was only until we had an investor come in and, and talk to us about the concept of franchising. And we thought about that and we thought, gosh, you know, let's look into this. The franchisees we have were, you know, cherry-picked, you know, people who had that passion, who we knew could run a store with the same passion that Mike and I did. Um, so that is critical. It's absolutely critical. It's the franchisees that really believe are the ones that are the most successful. So, you know, it is a franchise, yes. But can you do it in a way that still feels personal? Absolutely. Are there some ideas that your franchisees are brought to bear? There must be that you've now said, yeah, we're doing this. Like the, like the Big Mac? McDonald's? Is was that it, what happened with uh, McDonald's? Yeah. I think it was Big Mac and franchisee? I'm pretty sure that's the story. Is there a story like that at Savory Spice? You know, I think they're, they're always presenting us with ideas, and many of them um, end up being a product. It's like, you know, next year, could we have something like this? I can't think of an exact example in my head right now. The thing that I'm thinking about is an, art, uh, an artisan section. Okay, so they wanted to have an ability to work with local um smaller businesses who wanted to sell their jellies, their jams, their honeys, mm, their mm. their pasta mixes. And so rather than maintain only our line within the store, we gave them some flexibility to be able to go out and have some autonomy. Hmm. So they can start choosing within a range. Like they can't yeah. sell like, you know, chocolates to eat inside the store. But they can go out and find other things that relate and particularly it's an awesome relationship when they're using our product in their product. Well, yes, I could see absolutely. where you could, if you could require that, or I could see selling like pasta because, you know, people don't, they're not going to, most people don't make their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That makes sense because it's sort of a complimentary product. But I would be like, if it was or me, I'd be like, hmm, do I want, you know, other f- food product? But to your point, if they use your spices to make it, that'd be super cool. Absolutely. Yeah, there's that. I mean, you know, we there's some parameters, right? You can't have another seasoning from another company, right? <laughs> yeah, you well, know? yes. <laughs> there's, there has to be some things that make savory spice products mm-hmm. the, the primary focus, but it gives them some flexibility. Yeah, yeah. we do like them to keep it local, too, mm-hmm. which adds even more to that local feel. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so, Husband and wife, mm-hmm. you know, how do your employees see that? How do your franchisees see that? Do they treat you this, like, are you interchangeable? Or how you know, does that there, work? You know, there's a lot of good cop, bad cop 
You know, there's a lot of which dead, is which. Dead, well, you know, it depends. <laughs> it depends. He's it's, usually I'm the usually bad. Okay. And there's a lot of like, Dad said no, so let's go ask Mom. <laughs> um, you know, we <laughs> we've recently hired a CEO, which was a big deal for us. Wow. Um, he's been with us for five months now. I want to say a CEO experienced in franchise retail, that kind of stuff. Uh, or? Incredible. Incredible, incredible background in food. His mm. name is Jeff Stella. And I've got a are... good background in food. <laughs> I've eaten so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. No, Je- Jeff Stella has been wonderful. And he has um, really allowed us, Mike and I, to step back and um, have more of our own life as, as husband and wife. That's new. That's new. I would think it would also, if you wanted to, you could be more of the face of the brand as opposed to the good cop, bad cop, or as opposed to that. Do you do any, I mean, do you think, do you see that or no? Is it just, you just are tired of working 80 hours, 160 hours a week together? I think we're in a period where we've just stepped back. And so we are willing to help where we can help. But you also want to give your new CEO a little space to kind of establish who he is. Mm-hmm, um, and and mm-hmm. where they're going to go with the brand, we sit on the board still. So you know we're 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 involved in that perspective. I want to go back though to what Janet was saying. I think when we're talking about good cop, bad cop, I think it's almost about skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the creative and I'm the driver. Like I have a really uh, high drive in terms of making something happen, and Janet's highly organized, and so our skill sets really complemented. I'm terribly terrible with organization. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a much better people person. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So we work together in a way that I think our employees actually, I think it's kind of somewhat proven by how long some of them have been around, have found the environment actually to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do our arguments in front of them yeah. <laughs> when we, we have them. Those, we yeah. try to do those at home. There, there's been ups and downs for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you don't go almost 20 years without, you know, conflict. Sure. Um, but I think in the long run, we've, like I said, we've we've been able to work through a lot. Mike and I have grown a lot individually and together as a couple through this experience. I think some of the stresses you know, that you are forced to kind of continue Mm -hmm. together and figure out a solution um, where it would be sometimes easier just to say, you know what, I'm I'm done with this, Mm -hmm. you know, which I'm glad for that because, you know, we're in a really good place right now and really, really, I think very happy and uh, have, have enjoyed stepping back a little bit. Yeah. This sounds cool. Yeah. Um, And it it may even open up your minds to what's next. Absolutely. Yeah. What is next? (laughs) that's a good question i told myself i'm not making any major decisions for at least a year it sounds Um, like you would just went through divorce i guess from the business a little well it is is different about not thinking about it every single day every single moment that did not stop until there was some confidence that the ceo had it under control and that and we had every confidence in him i don't want to give any misconceptions there but but, so you want to watch you want to see absolutely Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah um so that changes that narrative needed to to play out in order for us to then be able to see what we might want to do yeah. for me yeah you know it's it's going to be something creative it's probably not another business it's probably uh i mean well, we still own this business yeah, i'm still excited about the opportunities that's co- are ahead for savory absolutely sure. yeah. that's cool now you're you're a colorado company although you're national um mm-hmm. maybe international one day but uh so to what extent has Colorado played a role? This is a Colorado podcast, you know, as oh you started gosh. here, but yeah. Everything. I mean, yeah. Denver, the way that we were embraced right off the bat, you know, um, 
just meant everything to us, you know, mm. and it was word of mouth. Like we said, we didn't have a lot of money for Mark. We didn't market, mm. you know, um, and then we have customers that have been with us as for as long as we've been around. Um, you still get soap from Penny every single year. Yes, she makes um, soap because it's it's in the, the best soap ever. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's it. well it kept us clean. Colorado yeah. helped keep, keep us clean. Yeah. I think it, there's just the support has been crazy. And the, the crazy thing is, is still a lot of people don't know about us even to this day. Mm. So this is another opportunity mm. for us to yeah. to market the brand, but. Yeah, um, and the Colorado food scene, the chefs, I mean, I say young chefs, but, you know, it's been 20 years, so yeah, some of them that yeah. we started with, um, you know, have been in the business for a long time. The food scene is great. The food here is great. The restaurants, and like Mike said earlier, we've had a chance to work with a lot of them, whether it's just supplying them straight spices, whether it's working with the chef to create a signature blend. Um, yeah, so the the, the, sh sh the Colorado food scene's yeah. been pretty well, great. Well, speaking of that, last question, we need to wrap up here, but... Yeah, I'm just curious. Are there are there trends in spices and blends in Colorado that that are your customers here like and and tend to gravitate? You mentioned taco stuff, but are there are there things that that are trending in Colorado that we should be that I should be watching for? It's interesting. I, mean, I I looked at your questions that you were sending, and I'm like, okay, well, let me just go look. What's the current mm -hmm. food trend? And there's ten different people who have ten different ideas of what the food trend is. The beauty of our business is that we support any of those food trends, mm. any and all of them. Now, occasionally you'll have a, a product like black garlic come out that not many people were familiar with and becomes this thing that everybody has to have. But often it is like, oh, well, sumac seems like something that we should be using this year. And we have great sumac and we make it with our za'atar and we have recipes based mm. around sumac. And mm. so we're our supporter of trends rather than um, having an actual real trend in food in front of us. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up. Cool. Thanks All for right. having I'm us. Sure. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Janet and Mike Johnston of the Savory Spice Company. Glad you both could be together in the studio. Thank you so much We're, for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's fun. Whenever, whenever I get to, you know, visit with somebody who we actually know and do business with. It's kind of fun. <laughs> and thank you for your patronage. Ah, you won't <laughs> we, thank my wife, Cheryl. Yeah. So. <laughs> we appreciate it so much. Listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. If you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. I expect there are going to be a lot of savory spice customers listening to this episode. Please Please review Proco 360. Thanks again to show sponsors via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.